Hi everyone, Ben Eisner here. Welcome to another episode of Knitted Heart, where I talk with endlessly curious masters of their craft about their passions, professions, and their shared hope to bring unity, reconciliation, and a reframing of public discourse through their work. My guest today is writer, TV producer, and Kim M. Williams. Kim's the author of such books as 40 Hours and an Unwritten Rule about the double standard black women face in corporate America. Kim's first book was received so well, Kim adapted it into the three-season smash hit and very addicting YouTube series, The Unwritten Rules. With 2020 calling America to seriously reassess the truest definition of freedom by catching up on centuries of black history that never made it into most school curriculums in America, Kim's books and episodic series proved to be excellent resources unto that end. Kim worked in Los Angeles in TV production and post-production for 20 years until she recently made a big move to Johannesburg, South Africa, where she writes and produces content for her company, Inkspot Entertainment, and teaches filmmaking workshops to girls throughout the African continent. So with that, it's my true pleasure to introduce you to Kim M. Williams. Kim! Hello! How are you? I'm doing great. It's good great. morning good morning oh that's right it's the end of the day for you isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah it's 5 p.m here tell me where you are right now just so i can paint a picture for everyone to hear uh, where you're where you're coming where you're calling from i'm in johannesburg south africa beautiful yeah mm -hmm. nice i've really been looking forward to meeting you and i watched every single frame of unwritten rule oh and oh. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It was ahead of its time. It's it's like relevant now, right? <laughs> oh, he, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It really spoke to me, Kim. So I want to like circle back around on that. Give me your elevator pitch on what is Inkspot Entertainment and where did that all kind of start? Well, I mean, Inkspot was born from, I, I first started with Butterfly Ink Publishing. So um, I started my, I, I published my first book in 2004 and my first book, which was based on the unwritten rules um, web series um, in 2011, I found that my book was still relevant, even mm -hmm. though, you know, um, president Obama was in office. So I wanted to, really just do an extension of my book. And so I decided to form Inkspot to create the Unwritten Rules web series. And that's how Inkspot was born. Writing two books and then adapting one of them into a three season episodic series in the Unwritten Rule. Those are two vastly different writing mediums. And so what I'm super curious to, to know is like, as a kid, were you like most inspired, like someday I'm going to make a TV show or someday I'm going to be a writer or was it kind of in tandem or like how did that kind of culminate? So here's my writing background. It's a bit, you know, long, my writing journey. So yeah. um, I decided at eight years old that I wanted to be a writer mm. and I knew that I wanted to write theater and TV. Um, and I, I, I've never wanted to do anything else. Like mm. I, I decided at eight 
that I was going to write. I started writing plays um, at eight. And then that grew into, because I had a love for TV. Mm. And so it grew into, okay, I'm going to write theater and TV. Um, And so I went to college and majored in radio TV film. And my freshman year of college, um, I was take I was in an art history class, and my art history and I wrote a paper. I wrote my first paper, and my art history teacher told me I was a horrible writer, and so um, no. I just kind of derailed you know my, I was like oh okay I can't be a writer and and also you know I grew up in a predominantly black environment so this so going coming into college was a predominantly white um, environment so I had this white professor tell me that I was a horrible writer so I in my mind I was like okay then this is representative, you know, she's like representing the world. So, because in, in all throughout school, you know, in high school, I was, you know, on yearbook and English. So everyone was encouraging me to write. Um, And so I literally, after meeting with her and she like telling me I was a horrible writer and I would never have a career in writing, I switched my major. Um, well, I switched my minor because I was, and I, I was like, okay, I can't be a writer. So I was like, okay, what else can I do in entertainment? And so I um, decided to go the producing development track. And um, yeah, so when I came to, after graduating college, I moved to LA and just focused on producing because I was like, well, I can't be a writer. Um, so I, I, w- I worked as a producer in TV for years. Um, and then in 2003, my grandmother passed and it was just, a, it was a life-changing moment for me because I, for the first time I realized, okay, we're not here forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and we should you know like live every you know every day as it you know and I start thinking about passions and things like that and I just remembered that I used to love writing mm. and so I just started writing not and not really with my book I wasn't planning to write a book I I was mm. just really writing my reality, which was, you know, in LA in entertainment, I was always the only black person in the workplace. So I just start writing um, those experiences. And in the middle of it, I realized I was like, oh, this could be a good book. Mm. (laughs) Wait a second, this is coming together. This is something. So I decided to, to write a book. Um, but I, the funny thing is, even after I had published two books and my first season of Unwritten Rules, I was still not calling myself a writer. Like when Mm. people would ask me what I, 
would do, you know, I would say, oh, I'm a producer. And like a lot of times friends would be with me and they would say, no, you're a writer. I'm like, mm. no, I'm not a writer. <laughs> you know, I just, I just wrote a couple of books, but no, I'm not a writer. Because, but I realized that it was that fear of claiming going back to, you know, freshman year of college and that fear of mm. claiming that I was a writer. So technically, it's so funny. I just started calling myself a writer a few years ago. <laughs> Finally. I think that's like poetic justice in a a lot of kind of beautiful ways that one of your professors would have the like nerve to tell you you're a horrible writer instead of seeing that you had a desire to be a writer and say like, okay, what direction can I point you in to help you sharpen your skills as a writer versus the opposite. And, And it took you several years to have to overcome that and be like, wait, screw that. I am a writer. What a, what a great come around, you know? Yeah. Well, and honestly, it's so, it's so funny. Even after all these years, I still haven't 100% overcame, you know, I, I still have that in the back of my mind when I mm. write mm. Um, that voice, even though, you know, now I know, okay, she wasn't even an, you know, she was an art history teacher. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't even like Yeah, she wasn't even an authority on writers. Like who who is she to say you're a horrible writer? Yeah, but you know, it's like that seed was planted. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, you know, doing the work, I guess. But, yeah. Doing yeah. the work. Yeah. It was so inspiring for me to watch um all three seasons of, of your show, The Unwritten Rules, um, because uh watching your shows like wow. I know that you hilariously depicted some of these exchanges between these white and and black workers in corporate America mm-hmm. setting and and it's like it had this like crazy discomfort of like you know maybe the office or Kirby enthusiasm or something where you're like oh my gosh this is so awkward and painful but I have to keep watching cuz I know so much of it is true <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean um yeah and you know and i i what i wanted to do i wanted to like infuse it it with comedy to kind of make it you know more comfortable for everyone to ingest you know what i mean yeah right um but the yeah you know it's it's it and the crazy thing is um i you know when the series was airing I used to like read the comments and some of the like craziest um, topics people would say, Oh, this is so exaggerated or, you know, like (laughs) this can't be true. And, and those were the times where I'm like, yeah, it really did happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was real. I took that from the pages of my own journal. Yeah. (laughs) Holy smokes. Didn't it like it, it got, like a million views and then five yeah. years went by and then what happened? It had a resurgence. Yeah. Well, so it is, it has had a couple, <laughs> which is, is, is funny. Um, mm. So yeah, when we first premiered, we had a huge audience and then in um, a few years ago, someone posted um, an episode on Facebook and then it, 
like kind of blew up again. And then last year, um, TV One picked it up and um, it is now airing on Clio TV. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It- it, it's 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 so um well written kim like really like oh, the, the humor is just so smart and the timing delivery of everything is so great and like i'm i'm sorry to say but the, ca- the character kathy that you you that you wrote <laughs> i like want to just want to know please tell me that this person in real life is a great person because i was she so is the uncomfortable sweetest. she oh. is the sweetest part it was it's funny oh. because a few times on set, she would come to me because she would be uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, uh, like, and, I was and uncomfortable she would come watching to me it. and say, "Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> like, you want me to say this?" Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, but she did an amazing job. And the funny she thing is, I was not I, I, in my head when during the casting process. I, my head, I pictured her as an older woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Sarah, the actress who played um, Kathy, she was the only one who had come in and I, mm-hmm. she had somehow slipped through the cracks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I had told my casting director, no, I want an older type, you know? Um, and she came in, Sarah came in and I was, blown away and i'm like oh that's kathy like like, that's kathy (laughs) holy cow and in the audition did sarah voice any discomfort like are you is this like this is the character you want me to play right okay no in the audition no but once we got on set especially in season one um it was like she was just yeah, she was uncomfortable <laughs> in a few, I understand in a few why. cases. She, was, she would come to me like, oh, are you sure you want yeah. me to say this? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Kat. And I would always like joke. I'm like, well, if if it's not okay, I will take the hit. You know, mm. like. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> as the writer and producer. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the importance of speaking certain truths that make us uncomfortable. It started a conversation. And so, and that's exactly what I wanted. And when the book came out, I had Black people to say, thank you for writing Mm. this because, you know, finally my story has been told. And I had white people say, thank you for writing this because I did not know. You Mm. know what I mean? I was not aware, you know, I was yeah. not aware. So yeah, the, I, I was, and, and it was just a great, for me, um, after writing the book, I was like, wow, this is helping people on both mm. sides. Yeah. So that's why I thought, well, let me do a web series, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to to me as just even a writer myself. I feel comfortable in more of screenplay format, but the idea of having a format of a book—it's a, it's a memoir. You wouldn't call it a novel. Mm-hmm. It would yeah, it's a memoir. memoir. Yes, 
so but switching mediums what was that transition for you well okay so easy so first season i literally took chapters directly out the book and put them in in a screenplay form so it was a lot of the same dialogue it was you know it it was Mm. easy because it was kind of written in that memoir Mm. form as a book um and then you know second and third season i kind of created it from scratch um so but it like it was I, I find as a writer, I, you know, like I've been in meetings and execs would say, oh, well, what type of writer, what kind of writer are you? What do you write? And I'm always like, I'm a writer, you know? Mm, <laughs> so like, no, I'm a I've writer. written books, I've written theater, I would, and then, you know, it, it's like everyone is always trying to put you in a box, even mm you know in tv it's like no you have to do comedy or drama you know um and for Mm -hmm. me i'm like i'm a writer so i can write anything it's it's just a formatting issue you know that's how i look at it it's just formatted differently season two and three you kind of launched out of the book and Mm -hmm. you created such a a a very dynamic story arc where like it was so unexpected um like even the the big reveal at the end of season one where kanisha is Uh is hired as ceo i was like oh my gosh this is amazing like what it was just so fun to watch everybody's reaction reactions you know what i mean like kathy now, and that episode was actually the only one that that's not that was not taken from the book actually okay um because okay. i actually kanisha represented president obama really um, yeah i mean even it, it's funny because during her like first speech address to the co-workers i even took like some of President Obama's like changed speech. <laughs> it kind nice. of worked it. Um, it in. So it worked it in. So yeah, she was representing President Obama. That's, yeah, that's great. And, and, and Asha Davis, wow. She, I, I, I don't know about her as an actress, but even though her character, you know, kind of had this really great kind of uh, courageous stepping out. Um, mm-hmm. I also saw her as like I saw her playing the character, right? But mm-hmm. I could tell her personally as an actor, she was really uh, had this beautiful, just I don't know uh, what what can I say? Emergence, like she just she kind of found her own in a new beautiful yeah. way that. I don't know what did, what what was your perspective on that watching she, her yes and she, she Asha is one of the like the sweetest person I know you know oh. what I mean like yeah. she's just and so and and racy to me is Asha <laughs> you mm. know like it was like a perfect wow <laughs> it was a perfect uh, match and when i decided when i decided to do the unwritten rules i knew because i had worked with asha on south of nowhere um a series that she was in 
and like she was the first person that came to mind when I and you know when I decided to do the unwritten rules so I never like looked at anyone else <laughs> you're just like tunnel vision for Asha yeah she was I was the like one. okay Asha has to say yes <laughs> she, wow. has, she has to say yes <laughs> incredible I mean the first season it was the only there were only two people that I cast it was Kathy um and David um so everyone else they were just you know they did it as a favor because mm-hmm. the first season we didn't have a budget so everyone worked mm-hmm. for free wow. <laughs> you know like, so it was just it was all out of you know people's love for the project and the voice uh, you know the story that we were telling so That's very uh, powerful yeah yeah so um yeah it was um Balbinka who played Lisa um well Babinka um Kanisha um Craig Antonio they had all I had all met them because they were in a um play that I had I I wrote and produced like in 2010 and so I just called them up and I was like oh do you guys (laughs) would you be interested (laughs) but yeah everyone the crew like everyone worked for free um so yeah I'm just beyond grateful for them kind of you know sewing into my my vision timing even now is like so perfect i I, Um, I know it it's funny because whenever someone asks me like my thoughts or my experience or my journey i'm like oh go go watch um unwritten rules (laughs) or go read my book (laughs) enough said right there right (laughs) and that's my experience yeah wow yeah, it, it's really great. Um, I, there are a couple of things that I pulled out that um, the Racy said. I, I would love for you to comment on it. Um, mm-hmm. she, at one point, I think in season two, she says, I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. Can you can expand on that a little bit? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that it's kind of where we are right now, right? Like, yeah. you know, um, there there is change because it's forced it's you know forced change um but until i i mean in my opinion until the systems are totally you know (laughs) like knocked down and until we like start at the beginning um it it nothing the change doesn't matter you know what i mean the change is mute because it will remain the same you know um in the entertainment industry it's like how many years have we been talking about diverse diversity and inclusion like i i at one point i stopped going to panels because i'm like this doesn't (laughs) like you know like We've mm. been talking about it for years. And yes, you know, you can, there have been diversity hires and, um, you know, you have one person represented, but it doesn't matter if the executives at the top are the same. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, it, it's interesting because uh, there are few people that I agree probably 100% of what they say. Angela Davis is one of those people. Like everything, everything mm-hmm. she says, I'm like, yep, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, I agree with that. Wow, I really agree with that. And one thing I read recently that she said in The Guardian um, when she was commenting about how, you know, see this image of these Democratic leaders with their face masks on, taking a knee. And she says, yeah, unfortunately, I want to say that real change is going to come, but I feel like them taking a knee was coming... Uh, driven by wanting to be on the right side of history Mm -hmm. rather than really having a heart to do the right thing. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of, that was very stinging comment, but I, I felt like it resounded with a lot of truth. Um, And I don't know, I'm still working through that because you want to believe that they are really advocating for real change, but are they just protecting their jobs and they, their yeah, one percentile I mean, jobs? Like what, what is real change? No, I, you know, I think you know? people want real change. You know, um, yeah. I think at the core, they want real change. However, I don't think people are willing to sacrifice what that real change really will look look like you know and i yeah. think that you know we are not having the hard conversations we are having the comfortable conversations or the conversations on the surface but you know when you think when you think about racism um prejudice it you know like it all in america it's yeah. so closely tied to capitalism you know And no one's having that kind like, I think you can't really have the conversation about racism without having the conversation about capitalism. And no one is willing to have the conversation about capitalism because no one's willing really to give up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's like all of all Americans, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, it runs so deep. It's, it's so deep. Yeah. So deep. Um, I'm going to yeah. turn a light on because. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. There it is. Okay. That's better. Okay. <laughs> ah, yes. there it is. There. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's what I am just hoping so, so, so deeply. Like, okay, is this going to be everything that's happening in 2020 um with the black lives matter revolution you know really seeping into white consciousness is this the moment like i know like hope is a kind of a dangerous word isn't it yeah (laughs) Um, yeah yeah but you know i someone once said that you should never use hope because hope is saying Hope is not um, what it, what was the uh, hope is kind of like a past, you know. It's saying that, like, it's not an action word. Mm. I get, and I was mm. like, oh, okay. wow, you know, it's not action. It's it's like Whoa. 
it's kind of like a a pass really you know you can yeah. hope something but you don't really have to do anything <laughs> mm, right <laughs> you know it just sounds good it's like yeah it i'm hopeful good. it's like okay that's <laughs> positive i think yeah yeah um i actually i don't know if you have you do you ever watch john oliver sometimes yeah Mm -hmm. The last episode on policing, he oh, ends, oh my goodness, he ends with this girl speaking straight to camera in Minnesota, and she's like, uh -huh. you know, there's like a, a target that was burned down and all this kind of stuff, and she's oh, like, is her name Kimberly Jones? Uh, and yes, yes. Was that not that brought me to tears? Me too. Like, Yes, it brought me to tears. I yes, I I know. Yeah. Oh, so that was on John Oliver. That okay. So this is how he like culminated this episode. He talked about policing and you know just the broken systems, mm -hmm. um, and just the, the big fail in terms of just the way that they have been trained for centuries. But then he's like, you know what? I'm going to stop talking now because I think what this a girl, Kimberly, has to say will just sum it all up. And he cut to that. And it was like, wow. whoa. Like, I literally cried. Yeah. Because and I think the thing that really spoke to me more than anything in what she said was something to affect i'm gonna paraphrase but she was just pretty much saying and we black people aren't trying to seek vengeance we're trying to figure out a way so that we can work together you know and be equal yeah be equal instead of it's not like a sides thing we're not trying to take over we're not trying to mm -hmm. you know do our own thing like we're trying to be equal that's all we want mm -hmm. and it's like so who can who cares about this burn target back here? We've got mm -hmm. other issues that we need to deal with. And I think those are the uncomfortable issues you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's like, when can we get to the table and have the uncom uncomfortable conversation instead of just stay on the surface and be like, yeah, systemic racism is a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, fuck yeah, it is. Like, what? <laughs> let's get to the bottom of what we can do to unravel that and like start educating people and and I don't know the answers. I mean, I'm like, I, I feel like my time, it's like I'm a, I'm a white um, heterosexual American. I mean, I guess I have, I can say, oh yeah, my parents were, my grandparents were persecuted in World War II and they came to America to seek a better life. So besides that, I grew up in white America and I, I, I'm so oblivious to so much that has to be brought to the surface for real change to happen and, and, so, and i mean that was that was the point of w the unwritten rules it was uh, that was the reason why i created it so it can actually you can watch it and then you can start those hard conversations and mm -hmm. it, it would be a a segue into those hard conversations you know yeah well it, it's funny because that show is layers deep you know it, it it was like when it aired on youtube i would um uh, because you know some some things that i wrote i would i was like oh no one will ever get this you know mm. and it would 
I would love like reading the comments and someone would get it. And I'm like, oh, how did they get like, <laughs> like nice. really? They got, they got that. <laughs> That's great. You have an eloquent way of writing dialogue and creating this, this great exchanges between people that's not literal and on the nose. Like you've, you really surf kind of the wavelength of subtext in a really beautiful way. And a lot of times to me, it, it just, it's more powerful, isn't it? When you can just like put it out there and not have to like hammer something hard over. Yes. Head, you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mean, I found, I wanted it when, you know, when you see black characters, on TV or it, you know, in the media, they're all, it's always on the nose, you know? Mm. And so I, I really wanted to create with, with unwritten rules, these layers of, um, you know, layers with dialogue, layers with story where it wasn't just like, okay, <laughs> you yeah. know, here it is. Here's the joke. <laughs> and it, you yeah. know, um, yeah. I wanted people to really, because it is, I mean, the purpose of, of the series is to start a conversation and to get people thinking. And yeah. so I really wanted people to have to think about some things, you know? Yeah. It's really good. Kim, I'm, I'm so thankful um, for your time and your contributions oh. to the conversation and just what you're doing. It, it, I'm, it's, it's, it's so inspiring. No, thank um, you so much for reaching out. I'm I'm glad that Shannon connected us. Thank you for having me. Likewise. Um, you know, and talking yeah. with to me, you know. I know we're wrapping things up, but I am curious really quick, like how are they handling everything? Are they like on top of it or are they just rocking it or how? Yeah, like our lock we're still on lockdown and it was a true lockdown. Like it was <laughs> um so yeah. Jealous. Yeah, so they're, uh, I think that the deaths are, is it 2,000? Mm. No, it's more than that. I, I, I can't remember, but we've just reached 100,000 cases. cases. Yeah. Oh, so that's a lot. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we were at, we were low and it was handled. Uh, and then at the beginning of June, they opened, they eased the lockdown. And I think uh, at the, like the end of May, I think we were probably at 30,000. And so for when they opened and stuff is still not open fully, yeah. but they had pressures, you know, for the economy, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 But we have, the deaths have, you know, we, we have a low count of deaths, so. Okay, so they've re-flattened the curve a little bit? Yeah, kinda. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they're going to go back into, because they were saying that if it got out of hand, we would go back into like a more strict lock, lockdown, so. Okay. Which I'm not opposed to since, because um, when we were under the strict lockdown, our numbers were really, were really low. Was low. Yeah, but our lockdown, it was like no alcohol, no cigarettes. You well, what? they're still not selling cigarettes. You no still way. Can, 
buy cigarettes here. No, because they're Whoa. saying that it's long and is health, you know, Whoa. for health reasons. Um, but yeah, it Gee. was like really, they just started the alcohol sales in June. So Holy cow. Yeah. You couldn't go anywhere but the grocery store. And that the grocery store was the only thing that was open. There was no Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> No online like, shopping, like nothing, like the nothing. country, the entire country was just closed. Wow. So totally so, yeah. different than here. Yeah, totally different. But <sighs> so yeah, well, so maybe hopefully it will be sooner. But if not, I will be back in the states at the beginning of 2021. <laughs> it's uh, been a pleasure for me to talk with you. So thanks oh, for giving thank me your time. You. Thank you so much. All right. Peace to you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. For more information on Kim's books, plays, and episodic programs, visit her website, inkspotentertainment.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review. Peace to you until then, and bye-bye for now.